Hi listeners, welcome to another episode of Wreckage, an RPG podcast. I'm Lee, and I play Tink Er Taylor, the Orion mechanoid with a penchant for fine clothes and high profits. If you've enjoyed listening to us, why not leave us a review? It really helps bring more listeners into the fold. Now without further ado, let's rejoin our heroes in the land of Uri. Hello and welcome to episode number eight of the Wreckage RPG. It's great to have you along and listening to our story. Um, so without further ado, let's say hello to all our players. We've got Lee, Adam, Ollie and Rob with us today. We haven't got Jay, unfortunately he sends his apologies. Um, but we're going to continue our adventure through the world of Uri. Um, so before we, we get going, just a couple of thank yous. First off to Sirenscape for providing a little bit of a, a backing track to our podcast. Um, it's free, go check it out. Um, we also have a little bit of thanks to Roll20 that we're using and also uh, Green Ronin as well. Um, and if you haven't already, uh, please go and check out our socials. Uh, we're on Instagram, uh, which is uh, Wreckage RPG. We're on uh, Twitter, which is RPG Wreckage, just to confuse you. Um, and we're also on Facebook as well, although apparently, according to the news, we've all got to get rid of that because they're doing bad things. Ooh. Um, <laughs> what's new? So, what's new? Um, so, uh, before we start, anything from, from our players today? I love how you make us sit through that intro when you could record that out of sequence and yeah. do it when we're not here. <laughs> I know, I know, I could do, I could do, but then, you know, it's it's, it's great having the little bit of interaction just before the start. I also love the, the fact that Lee's there waving to us like you guys. <laughs> can't hear you I have to admit, I sort of like went to lift my hand and I was like, wait a minute, no one can see me. It was meant to be ironic, but, you know, evidently you've called me out on it now, Adam, thanks. <laughs> Um, so brilliant well I'm looking forward to seeing uh, where our adventure um, goes today but are, are we ready to to begin let's do it Affirmative. yeah ready okay fantastic last episode, our group continued their journey into the Misty Swamp to find the herb Palace Plantalam for Tan, the Elf Mage. He had promised the group information in exchange for their help finding the herb. A simple task, it seemed, but there were some obstacles in the way. The cold river for starters, followed by a bit of stuck in the mud, and then the recent inhabitants of the monastery itself. Three shadow bear wolf pig things, um, as the group liked to call them, stalking <laughs> the area. Why are they actually here, and indeed, what were they? But after a brief, brief fight, our group did manage to just about dispatch the foes. A few hits were taken, and a breather was needed, with water and healing required. It was indeed berry time. <laughs> after quite the respite, Tan set out to find his herb, followed by most of the group, except Tink, who went the other way, following his curiosity of the unknown. We now rejoin our group a few minutes later, we're outside in the cool early evening. Tan sets about preparing his recently acquired herb and making a small fire from the campfire remnants of the group that was there before them, all the while being accosted by Galen for information about the staff and the book. While inside, 
in the small crypt found below the monastery itself. Tink, the curious explorer, stands in the dark, headlamps beaming at the words scratched into the cold stone sarcophagus below the name Cornelius Pieheart, and it's enough to send vibrations along your metallic spinal column. It just reads the deathless one. So, Tink, what would you like to do? I'm alone at this point, right? Uh, you are alone, yes. Everybody else is... Would a shout alone. from where I am be audible to the others? <laughs> you could have a go. Uh, mm, nah, probably not worth it. I think he would probably look at this. I think the name Pyreheart would obviously stir up something in his memory banks, and I think he would he would immediately seek out Galen to find out who Cornelius is. So I think, okay. I, I think Tink will just turn around and head back upstairs to rejoin the others. Okay. So, so Tink turns around, you sort of make your way back up the stairs, across the monastery floor, and sort of you, you spy a few heads just outside through the broken windows out in the courtyard at the front. Um, and you're sort of greeted by the scene that is sort of Tantan just sat there reading through this book with sort of Galen waiting, just staring down at him, sort of looking for some information. Um, Galen sort of, uh, sorry, Gillis is sort of stood to the side, just sort of twiddling his thumb, sort of almost looking for an opportunity uh, to speak and, and Mac is just there with his crown slightly akin to one side with Jeremy the sheep what do you all <laughs> like to do? I'll let the others do something first before I wade over I'll, uh, I'll carry on reading mumbling to myself <clears throat> uh, I, th I think Mac and Jeremy are going to wander over to Tantan See what he's doing. Oh God, not again! <laughs> <laughs> I guess at this point, Galen's still interested in uh, what what Tantan is kind of reading in in the book and on the staff. Yeah, I'm just going to be sort of sat in there, like hunched over, um, uh, kind of like um, crisscross applesauce, like sat on the floor with the book in my lap, looking like a small child, just sort of flicking through it. My robes slightly hiked up to the knee. Um, and just sort of mumbling, eh, yeah, ooh, okay, and then flicking a few pages, um, and then scratching my head a bit, and then flicking back, and then mumbling a bit more to myself. So kind of Galen's going to go, come on, smelly sorcerer, tell us what the book says. <laughs> Raise like a, a gnarled finger, be like, oh, um, actually, I think you'll find I'm a wizard. Although <laughs> the smell of it is true right now, I'm rather swampy in my pants. He's going to carry on flicking through. Come on, man. Faster. We need to know the secrets of this book. Patience. Patience. <laughs> It'll all come in time. In time, yes. <laughs> so it's sort of at this moment that um, Gillis sort of walks over to you, Galen, and just sort of taps you on the shoulder and, and looks at you and sort of says, I found this. I wonder what you think of it. And he passes it to you, and it's a small, uh, small brooch that's silver. Um, it's got like lots of little wires, sort of wrapped around, sort of three red gems, and and a note. And the note just read, "Employee Rufus de Shivra and Yarrick Halfdanson. Employer Mister Smith." And then it just reads underneath a job description, saying, "Retrieve brooch matching illustration from old monastery in the swamps north of Marquis." Return to the Sword and Shields Agency in Mar Marquis or Goldcrest. And he just holds it out and just passes it to you and goes, don't really know what to make of it, but clearly the wizard's busy right now. 
<laughs> well, well, thank you, Crow Man. This, this, <laughs> this, this, this brooch clearly was what these adventurers were doing here um, before they met their kind of demise. Um, I guess we should maybe visit the place that they were meant to be returning it to. He sort of what? looks at you and goes, "Looks like a good idea. I'll go with the crowd." What, what about you guys? Do you think we should return this? Permit me to interject here. I believe there is something in the uh, cellar, or rather crypt, of this establishment that may be of interest to you, Galen. Who, who in fact is Cornelius? Do you have a relative of that particular name? I've, I've, I've not known my family at all, so the name Cornelius doesn't mean anything to me, Tink. What, why would you say such a thing? Perchance you would accompany me back down into the crypt, and I will show you. Okay, let, let, let's go. Okay, so I think I'm going to lead Galen back down to the crypt. Uh, okay. Whether anyone wants to follow or not, I don't know. That was quite an audible conversation, so it wasn't, like, hushed. I think uh, Mac is just going to have a look at these flowers or weeds, whatever they are, that Tantan was here for. Mm-hmm. If he can see one, he's just going to pluck it himself. Okay, so you sort of see like um, uh, the little pile just next to, to Tantan that he sort of collected of that that sort of green plant with the yellow stripe on on the leaves. Um, make a make a perception check, uh, searching. Um, and whilst you're doing that, um, Galen and Tink, you make your way uh, towards the crypt, and just to sort of bring you into this, um, Galen, as you, you descend the dark steps. That damp, stale air hits you, um, and you walk down into this crypt, and you very quickly noticed all the sort of the, the sarcophagi around the room, sort of just like the stone sort of inlaid into the walls, and you too very quickly noticed with Tink pointing out sort of the, the the marks on the wall where these names have just been scratched out, and he sort of eagerly takes you across to this central sarcophagus in the middle of the room, just where there's this name, one line through it. Cornelius Pieheart, and then scratched into the rock just below the Deathless One. As you Pieheart. can see, that's that that's that's my surname. <laughs> but I oh, have no big. recollection of a Cornelius or or anyone related to my family with that name. And I guess at this point he's gonna try and like you said this is on a crypt. At this point, he's maybe going to try and look into the crypt. Is it, did you say it's like broken on the top, or is it? Yeah. So yeah. So the, the 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 sarcophagus itself is just slightly moved over to one side. It's almost like it's been open and then shut, but not shut completely. Um, you can sort of like try and sort of see in, but even with Tink's sort of eyes sort of shining on the area, you can't quite make anything out um, inside it. Okay. Tink, can you help me push the lid off this uh, sarcophagus? Certainly, sir. I want to see that inside. is the most <laughs> sensible course of action. Okay, so uh, what I'll do then is, as you're both pushing it, um, I'll say that, um, Galen, you can make a strength check with plus two and any other focuses you might have. Uh, 12 please 12 okay so it takes you a little bit of time um, but you sort of like slowly sort of manage to edge the, the sarcophagus off the side it sort of makes that horrible noise that stone scratching on stone makes 
moves off to the side and then it sort of clomps off the side with this heavy sort of smash as the, the lid just breaks in two. And you're sort of greeted by an empty sarcophagus. There's nothing inside. There's a couple of coins just scattered in the corners. But other than that, there's nothing there. So at this point, I guess I would turn to Tink and and just say, well, whoever Cornelius was, he he isn't here now. Hmm. This is so troublesome. I must... I'm going to need to seek the Order's um, guidance on this. I must speak to someone Tink in the Order. Kind of looking up at the ceiling they must now, be able to tell me what's going on He's almost a little apprehensive. Here. It's like... He's just looking around to see what's... So as you sort of like start having a little look around the room and sort of spending a little few more moments looking around, you do notice scattered in various little nooks and crannies in this crypt a small little effigies. They're random, made of sticks and twigs and stones, just like bundled together with like bits of string and straw. Very odd things to find within a crypt. Hmm. A bit Blair Witchy. They just mm. look a little bit out of place. Can, can I do... Are you so, familiar with like, these particular effigies? Um, so so I, don't, I don't think I am at this point, but I guess I should probably try and do some sort of perception check to see if I might know anything about this, if there's anything. Yeah, you can um, you can do a little perception check. That I know a, in terms a, of history, look. like yeah, uh, so like a history check. So, um, yeah, go on, make a... Uh, what is it? It's an intelligence history check. Yeah, don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> I have no history. You have no history. No, the, the name the name does not ring any bells. And actually, the crypt itself, the only thing that you recognise from it is the sigil of the Ember Order, um, sort of on a couple of the sarcophagi around the side. Um, but it seems like you get the impression that somebody's defiled this crypt at some point so I guess um, at, at this point Galen kind of acknowledging the kind of name the link to the Ember Order um, he's going to feel like he needs to uh, you mentioned there were some kind of gold coins like any sort of kind of like artifacts or gold that he can kind of repurpose um, and bring back into the Ember Order would, would be something he would go and do Um <laughs> So, okay. so do you mean grave rob? Is that the word you're looking yeah. for? <laughs> <laughs> Redistribution of wealth is, is the, so, the term used by the Ember Order. So you pick up three gold coins. <laughs> you fool, you've cursed us all! Yeah. <laughs> I got a 13, by the way, in my search for a 13, plant. okay. So whilst that's going on, so you roll a 13, you quite easily find the the herb. It's just behind you in a in a bush, um, just at the side. Sort of, it almost looks like a where a patch of them used to grow, but it's sort of been overgrown by weeds. And you sort of manage to to go in and you sort of start rooting around. And whilst you are, Jeremy comes up beside you and he starts nibbling on some of the plants there as well. I give it a sniff and a taste, and okay. and I'll, what is so special about this plant, Dan Dan? Okay. So, um, having when you say a taste, how much are you tasting? Oh, oh, <laughs> he, he will be a, have a, perhaps like a a leaf. A leaf, quite... so a leaf, a leaf. Okay, I would like you to make a um, willpower check, please. An off your tits check. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Fifteen. Fifteen. Okay. 
uh, it tastes like a leaf. With your strong sense of taste, like, just tastes a bit like a leaf, really. Any other leaf that you've, you've ever tasted. There's a slight little sour hint to it, but other than that, nothing, nothing special to it. Um, when you turn back around towards Tantan to sort of ask the question, he's very quietly put the book down and he's sat by the fire and he's taken a couple of the leaves and he's put them into a tin cup that he's got and he's like tapping the end of them with a stick. And he's found. He's like, um, uh, nothing. <laughs> Why did we have to come and get it then if there is nothing special about it? Uh, well, uh, I don't know exactly what it does, um, except for the fact that it uh, sometimes it helps me get uh, my uh, my studying done. So uh, when you asked me to research something, I thought it it might come in handy there. Ah, so it makes you cleverer. I'll, he'll take a big bite of the <laughs> flower he's got. Okay, it's a bit more. Okay, I uh, would like you to make another willpower check. Uh, Twelve. Twelve. Okay, cool. Um, so again, you get the same kind of taste and sort of you know you feel like, oh, maybe this will work. Uh, maybe it'll make you cleverer. Uh, All right. Um, Ask me a question, Tan Tan. Uh, <laughs> uh, what's your favourite colour? Red. <laughs> what is your name? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Has it worked? It seems like you're smarter. Yes. Ah, good. He's going to go and pick another couple of bits of it then. Okay, he picks picks a few more of these plants. Okay, and he's going to stash them in case he ever needs to be clever again. Okay, okay. so I will. Uh, so say you've got two palace plantalam plants. Uh, add those two. Like spelling out. Um, <laughs> would you have said that in the short time that I've been sort of working, that the leaves have dried out sufficiently for me, John? Um. I would say that they've they've probably you know give them a couple more minutes and they'll be ready okay, to go. Fair enough. Yeah. I'm just going to continue like tapping them with my um, stick so they sort of break up into little pieces once they're dried, kind of like crumbling dry autumn leaves. Okay. So back to uh, Tink and Galen. Is there anything you two would like to do more in the crypt? So I guess at this point, um, I feel like we've done what we need to. Like Galen is actually quite disturbed by what he's seen and kind of needs to seek some more assistance from the Order. So I feel like he, he wants to depart from this place. Okay. He's picked up the gold coin, so he's kind of going to turn to Tink and, and kind of say that there is nothing left for us here. We, we must go. I must seek assistance from the Order. Very well. Would you like to also pick up the rest of the gold coins that you missed? Well, if I've missed any gold coins, then yes, please, Tink. <laughs> Make a perception check, Tink. <laughs> Just grave robbing. Pretty much. Religious Ooh. excuse for it. Five, five, and two. So 12 plus my perception, which is three. Uh, 15. Three. 15. Okay, you do find another gold coin hidden, just sort of like under a little bit of dust in the sarcophagus. Cool. And he just kind of like, he just kind of thumb flicks it towards Galen. Thanks, yeah, metal man. Sort of let's let's get out noise. of here. <laughs> so, well. as you're as you're as you're leaving this place, uh, Galen, I would like you to make a willpower faith test, please. What's going on? 
14. 14, okay. So, whilst what you've seen in this crypt has sort of shaken a little bit of your faith in what it is that the Ember Order is all about, you know, seeing sort of a, a, an ancient tomb of clearly some of your Order's members defiled in this way, sort of shuddered to your core, you sort of managed to brush off any concerns and sort of almost have more drive to, to go forwards and find out what's really going on. Okay. So you make your way back outside and you rejoin the others. And I would say about this time, Tantan, your your leaves are now dry as uh, Galen and Tink return cool. from there. Knowing, knowing and... how uh, contentious Galen is with uh, procrastination regarding studying, he's going to quickly take the dried leaves and uh, portion off some take a little pipe out of his bag and pack the dried leaves into his pipe and light it. And he's going to take mm. a big... Take a big old hit. <laughs> so as you as you return, Galen, you return to the scene of Tantan just puffing on this pipe in front of this... In, in Puffing on this pipe in front of this campfire. The book just off to one side... There's a mysterious bubbling sound coming from within the pipe as well. Like, it's, it's, just, it's a special pipe. So I guess as we stumble up, I'm just going to kind of look straight at Mac and say, Mac, what has the smelly wizard told you? Surely he's figured out what the book says now. Uh, we have been making ourselves more intelligent by eating or smoking the plant. Ask me something. Mac, what is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? Three. <laughs> My goodness, man, you are clever. See, they work. I have got a couple for emergencies. You might want some too. I'm sure we will need them later. But now we must travel. I must seek the order. Did you well, find the fun. brooch in the cellar? I didn't find a brooch in the cellar. That was uh, what uh, Gillis passed me. He did find Here, some gold coins, Here, why don't you take a look at it? Oh, there, there was actually a brooch with the letter, was there? Mm. Uh, yes, it was in the, it was in the pouch itself. Ah, I hadn't taken the herb then, so I didn't really understand what was happening. <laughs> now I am more cleverer. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> and he'll have a look at this brooch. Is it a pretty okay. brooch? It's a pretty brooch. It's sort of like it's got silver, oh, uh, sort of like wires that are wrapped around these sort of three red gems. It sort of fits n neatly in the palm of your hand. Doesn't mean anything to him. Doesn't, Absol doesn't... absolutely nothing to you. No. Right. Uh, he'll pin it on his uh, <laughs> on his. Uh, oh, he's got leather armor. He can't really pin it to leather armor. You've got that mini cape. Uh, that oh yeah, yeah. I do. I do. I pin it. Pin it to my cape. Okay, so you sort of pin it to your woolen cape. So, you know, there's the image of the great King Mac, big, strong orc, massive cushion crown, small woolen cape that sort of reaches about halfway down his back and brooch on his sort of chest lapel um, with the three red gems and swirly uh, silver, silver wires all intermingling. It's more of a tabard than a cape. Mac's crown jewels. Yep. <laughs> um, probably about this point, uh, you'd hear a kerfuffle by the campfire, 
Uh, and looking across, you'll see Tantan's kind of like collapsed on the ground and <clears> is spasming slightly with his eyes rolled back into his head. <laughs> I think Tink will kind of draw attention. He's like, gentlemen, I believe Tantan is uh, dying. <laughs> um, Mac will go over to him and uh, give oh, him God. a <laughs> give him a shake, see if he can help him. Um, Are you okay, Tantan? After a, a second of sort of shaking me, like I, I stop spasming, and my eyes like spark open, and they look you straight in the eyes, and they go. What the bloody hell are you doing there? Uh, I am checking you are okay. Oh yes, the orc and the others, yes. Um, well, I suppose we get a bit down to uh, having a look at this book, shall we? Why are you talking funny, Tan Tan? Oh, um, yes, well, due to an unfortunate accident, um, my intelligence has somewhat been diminished. And as a result... Um, my intelligence um, is unlocked using the herb that I have gathered here at this monastery. Okay. It only lasts for a short period, and uh, unfortunately, upon waking, I have zero recollection of whatever has happened while I've been in this form. So, you could go and get drunk and do lots of naughty things, <laughs> and you wouldn't remember. Um, I mean, I suppose so. I don't know quite why I would do that, but, um, yes. I think we're going to have some fun when we get to this city. <laughs> oh, okay, sure, yes, okay. And he sort of, like, sits upright, and you see his postures, like, completely changed from, like, the hunched back. He's now, like, ramrod straight back. Um, and he sort of, uh like combs his beard a bit with his fingers and he goes um right then let's have a look at this book and he like picks up the book and starts flicking through it he goes honestly uh, eyes are a lot sharper now and he starts flicking through it um and he seems to be a lot more cogent and precise than Tantan was so I'm uh, going to turn to kind of Tink and just go well I'm certainly glad we didn't burn his clothes back at the back <laughs> <of> the <laughs> <laughs> just whisper it <laughs> I think Tink will say it may be pertinent to gather as much of this herb as we possibly can so I think Tink would like to go and try and find a quite a lot okay. more okay. <laughs> just in case we have any so, Tantan in intelligence yeah, so mode. roll roll, uh, roll uh, a perception check as you go and have a little look at those hmm okay uh, <laughs> well clearly Tink is not very good at, at uh, horticulture because I've only rolled a five a five. So Tink, Tink goes off and starts looking at trees. Um, <laughs> he's sort of just like, you know, he gets gets sort of distracted by these big trees and sort of starts looking at the bark and looking up in these trees to sort of see if he can see any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of, you know, he sort of just does this and, as, as you go off. And the rest of you are sort of sat in the middle of this courtyard and you sort of like just sort of look around a little bit and you sort of see the big bush behind you of this large plant with yellow stripes leaves in it just <laughs> sat off to the side <clears throat> so I guess I guess Gaiden had turned to Tantan and say Tantan so what does the book say um, do you want me to read this out John uh, yes you can do okay. so uh, he sort of like turns to you and uh, regards you with like a 
uh, a studying eye. He goes, um, well, it's a journal. Very old. There are no date entries. Instead, each entry is just written as day one through and onwards, like concurrent days. The entries are sporadic, no real regularity. Uh, they start normal, talking about people's roles and the hardship of the war outside. And on day 100 or so, the tone changes. Something seems to have happened. The writer seems to lose all hope. He talks of losing the war, wanting rest, and ending it all, whatever that means. He starts to mention someone or something he just refers to as it. And he says, it will help us. It will grant us rest. He then goes on to discuss the plan. And that the drink is almost ready. And me and my people can finally have their rest. Um, the last entry is quite uh, interesting. It's, uh, it goes like this. And you see him flick through a couple of pages. And he goes, the drink worked. It said it would. They all sleep now. It said that too. Suzella, Micah, and Grace all rest now. I have not seen them this peaceful for an age. I guess I only have it to thank for this. They will wake when this is all over. When the darkness has passed, it will let us know when this is. I am so grateful for its help. Now I can rest too. Time to take my throne and greet those who wake us when the time is right. It's quite interesting, really. Lots of... Uh, uh, loose ends, which always make good fun for uh, figuring out what the writer actually meant. <laughs> well, he did wake up and we killed him. So... Uh, who woke up? The writer of the book? Well, the king. In the, in the king. and I was wondering where you got the crown from. Yes. Ah. So who did you kill to get this book? The king. What, what? Who was the king? The king of who? The king of where? The king of what? Um, I might have to eat some more herbs. Um, <laughs> Galen, do you want to answer that? So at this point, Galen's like still kind of like still shaken from what he's seen downstairs, and he's just like thinking about the order. Um, so he's probably just kind <laughs> of turn to Tink and say, Tink, can you handle this? <laughs> well, Tink's only just wandered back over from staring at a tree, so he actually missed like the majority <laughs> of what, <laughs> what Tantan read out. Because I actually I did lag out literally as you started to read that, so I only caught <laughs> the end. <laughs> so, so at this point, so like Gillis uh, looks at you sort of all and goes, "Oh, it was somebody up further north." They had a hideaway in the dirty, stone-laden city thing inside some mountains. It's horrible. They didn't even bury their dead. Ugh. And you sort of like, sort of, you can sort of see him sort of turn his head to one side and sort of mutter a few words of, of disgust and sort of just looks back and goes, other than that, we don't really know anything. Hmm. Interesting. Except that I killed their king and got his crown. I but he did he did actually wield some dark magic as it were and he used that staff that you're holding to do it it's a lot of loose ends here it would definitely be interesting finding out what exactly they meant in this diary especially by the drink and who or what it is intelligent tan is there not writing upon that staff that you hold please uh, that's the sort of 
dullard name. Um, uh, my real name is not Tan Tan. Uh, I think the pronunciation was a bit too complicated for him. Um, Tanil Targaros, at uh, your service. Ah, a pleasure to meet you, Tanil Targaros. Uh, and as much as as regally as he can in his moth bitten and uh, <laughs> slightly uh, destroyed and burnt and muddy robe, he sort of does a a little bow. Uh, like Tink kind of doffs his hat formally. So yes, as to exactly what the uh, staff says, um, let me take another look. And he, he gestures for the staff off um, Mac. Okay, yeah, I'll hand it over to him. So this time you take the staff and sort of with your little bit of extra clarity, like you do again start to to look over it and you look again intrinsically at those sort of dwarven runes that are written throughout it and again the same themes are drawn i mean you can still sort of remember that you can read this once before it's almost like getting a wonderful sense of deja vu as you sort of look at it for a second time all the words and runes point towards sort of ancient uh runesmithing uh magic um sort of they were very they were famed for the different sort of orders of runes that they could sort of imbue their magical weapons with and you sort of take some time looking over this and and the weapon that you hold in your hand is to do with protection and healing um and sort of as you sort of wave your hands over you sort of like wave a little incantation over the top there's no magic left in this device and you do know from some of the readings that did in some of your ancient research before you sort of lost your mind because of the accident. And you do remember that dwarves have this ability to sort of power their magic into these sort of weapons and uh, devices with their, their anvils that they have in the great holds, or the ancient great holds that used to exist within the, dwar the ancient dwarven empires. Um, but this particular device right now has none left. Well, at the moment, um, it's serving about as much purpose as it can being a walking stick. Um, it's about as much use as a bow without an arrow. It's got no magic in it. Hmm. So uh, if we really want to figure out what it does, I would advise that we speak to the dwarves and um, see if maybe one of their master craftsmen might be able to imbue it with some power. This is a very sensible and, option. And it's at this moment that everybody in the group, apart from Tanta sort of have this moment that you've never seen a dwarf you don't know where they are you don't know where they live you know and have heard rumours of them being from the mountains but in all your years of being in the Aurum coast you've never seen one whereas for you Tantan you remember a day where there were dwarves you sort of remember them being in the streets but you don't remember where they went or why they were disappeared. In fact, it's part of your memory that you just remember them being dwarves. Yeah. As well. You know, just go to the nearest city and we should be able to find one. Hmm. A sensible course of action. How far away are we from a city at this point, from Marquis? Uh, so, Marquis is uh, about sort of a, about a day and a half's travel away from, from where you are. Um, and at the moment he's sort of talking about going to a city you, you've lived in 
marquee for quite some time. You've seen all sorts of races and things, and, you know, maybe some of the halfling creatures that you see there are dwarves. You don't really know. Mm. Uh, there's just smaller humans to you. Um, smaller organic beings. Um, but, at this point, Galen, you do know, because you've spent a little bit of time in marquee yourself too, that you've never seen a dwarf. So, uh, Tanil, I, I, I spent some time in Marquis, but I, I can't ever remember seeing a dwarf. Never seen a dwarf. They're small, they have beards, can you... be quite cantankerous and aggressive sometimes. Axes, horned helmets. No? No, I've seen I've seen children dressing up with <laughs> giant beards and <laughs> helmets, but they would be the right size, but a dwarf? No, these are things of myths. I have not seen one in my lifetime. He looks sort of very confused, and he's just sort of like... Like he's thinking about something, but the thought doesn't fully, um, like, progress. Tink will sort of jump in and say, I am 92 standard years old, and I have, I too have never seen a dwarf. I take it I never came across them in the mountains... Uh, make uh, oh, this is where I want to do a memory check with you. Make a memory check. Uh, they get around on sheep. Gonna go, go for a, a a basic intelligence check. Oh, he's had the plant. This is this is. He has had the plant. Ooh, that's quite good. That is uh, fourteen with a double four. Okay, all right. Um, I'll say with that. Um, you do remember that when you were escorting the wizard that you uh, sort of acted as bodyguard for a little bit, um, sort of for a couple of months or so, he did sometimes talk about the ruins that you were looking at being ancient dwarven holds, and you do remember him talking about dwarves in the mountains. I have not seen a dwarf either, but some of the places in the mountains were made by dwarves, stands to reason that that is the most logical place we would find said creatures but perhaps they've got bigger because if this is a dwarf staff and the king that I took it off was really big perhaps the dwarves have just grown over the years and now they are like the same height as like Galen you mean like children Matt? yeah they grow like yeah <laughs> so perhaps we just haven't noticed and, and perhaps they can't use their old homes because they're now too big for them. Tanil is just going to sort of turn and look at Mac and go, or maybe the dwarf made it for somebody else. No. <laughs> okay. I think that was a big dwarf. He's just going to sort of realise this. He no had a beard. He's going to he's going to realise there's like no point in arguing and go. Uh, of course, yes, of course. And just nod his head. <laughs> so at this point, at this point, sort of, Guinness just looks and goes, "What's what's the plan? What are we doing out here?" We should well, it seems like we we've got this we've got this uh, brooch that we need to potentially return to Rufus at the Sword and Shield. Um, and I, I, I need to go to, to speak to someone in the Ember Order, and I know that I can get hold of them in Marquis. That seems like the best place to go, and maybe someone will help us 
figure out where to find the dwarf. I agree. It seems like a good uh, point of call. We might be able to find some more research uh, places where we can learn more. Returning and resupplying would be our best course of action. Also, I must return to my shop. It's been over a week now. I should check it hasn't burnt down again. <laughs> what does your shop sell? We sell all kinds of finery. Mainly, mainly well, human-sized <laughs> occupants. Mac, you're a king. Surely you deserve some more finery. It is funny you should say that. Shop episode. Because <laughs> they didn't didn't treat me like a king when we went to that other um, inn, and I was thinking that it's perhaps because my armor now is not as shiny as it used to be, and my my cloak is not as long as it should be. So perhaps if I had I had a nice 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 cloak. People would know more I was a king. But you would think they would guess from the crown. So I do Tim, not know. Purveyor of finery, can you help Mac out with this quest? Yes, I believe I have the required equipment back at the shop. Perhaps we should return to Marquis. And maybe you can fix Tanil up with some better clothes. I mean, he's looking a bit ragtag at the moment. I was just about to ask the same thing. Tantan does not have, what should we say, any sense of style or fashion. I'm, I'm sure I could find some offcuts, yes. Fantastic. I should look forward to it. I mean, okay. how much are you guys going to pay him, right? Because he, he doesn't do this for free. <laughs> 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 okay. So, um, at this sort of time, you're sort of looking out uh, over the swamp, and the, the sun is sort of starting to set once more. It sort of took you most of the afternoon to, to get um, across the monastery itself. Um... You know, if you sort of started to set out now, you'd probably be walking through the swamp at, at night. Um, so what would you folks like to do? It makes sense to bed down, right? And, and wait it out till morning. Okay. Hey. Are there any conversations that you would like to have before we go into a camp routine? Uh, probably Tanil would just be sort of like asking... Um information about recent history, what's been going on um, in the surrounding area, because obviously he's rather devoid of uh, current information. So oh. he's sort of like asking about what's been sort of going on, and like asking the other characters about that sort of thing. Tink okay. can fill you in in mind-numbing detail, I'm sure. Yeah, so <laughs> sort of with, with with that, sort of as you start asking questions, Tink sort of sparks up with uh, sort of it in, in you know the the thrill of being able to talk to somebody about stuff, um, and he sort of sits down next to you, and sort of for the for the next few hours, uh, whilst everybody else is sort of setting up a, a tent and sort of just getting everything ready for the night, um, talks to you in great depth about everything that's been going on for pretty much the whole of his 92 year life <laughs> um, and you know and almost by the time that everybody's actually starting to get tired and sleepy um, you know you're, you're even with the sort of enhanced intelligence and sort of sharpness you've got from the, the herb um, you're starting to get a little bit overwhelmed by the amount of detail he's providing you with <laughs> Uh, he's going to sort of listen voraciously up until a point, and then he's going to be like, um, perhaps we should uh, bed down for the night. You know, uh, too much information in one day will uh, blow poor Tantan's mind tomorrow. He'll have a, 
a headache if we're not too careful. Hmm. Okay. I mean, I still have the the other four decades to, to continue with. <laughs> However, if if you your your organic mind requires rest, then far from me to withhold you from it. I do appreciate that. I think uh, Mac is going to take Jeremy over to that big bush of the herb <laughs> and uh, encourage Jeremy to uh, to eat it for his tea in an okay. attempt to get him more intelligent. Please okay. give Jeremy a speaking role next episode. <laughs> make, <laughs> make make um, make an animal handling check as you sort of like encourage him to like as you're holding this sort of leaf in front of him. Not bad. Thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah, he gobbles up a leaf, and he sort of seems to get a bit of a taste for it, and he starts to sort of eat a little bit more of it. Um, and sort of as he continues to eat it, um, right? I don't have the stat line for a sheep. Um, I'm I'm going to go and find that whilst you're sort of all all bedding down for the night, um, and and I'll I'll come back to that in a moment. See if I can find the willpower of a sheep, um, and, and see see what happens to Jeremy. But um, you sort of start to bed down. You come up with your evening routine, um, and if there's no further conversations, you folks will have have a rest. I would assume that Gillis would. Uh, suggest that we set a watch just in case more of those yep. man bear pig things come back yeah indeed uh, I'll assume that you'll you'll make a watch for, for the evening and, and you sort of bed down and, and as the as the night goes onwards and you sort of some of you get your rest and Gillis sits out under the stars to sort of have uh, he takes first watch um, but it goes without any issue whatsoever and actually the the monastery itself is eerily quiet. Um, the only noise that you can hear sort of in the background is the buzzing of the insects that sort of at this time of night is sort of even dimmer than it was during the late afternoon as you're walking through the swamp itself. As the night passes and morning arrives, you sort of wake those of you who are, who are, who are sleeping. And um, Galen, you were on last watch, so you've sort of seen the, the frost that's appeared overnight. And sort of again, you're you're just at this monastery, sort of almost encircled by this white mist once more. Um, the air is cold. It's there's quite a chill. You spent most of the evening last night next to a fire, so you're now nice and dry. But the morning is now yours. What would you like to do? So I think as. Uh... As you said, um, I was the last watch. I, I don't think actually Tink sleeps anyway, so he kind of does. Um, he sort of shuts down. Yeah, he shuts okay. down. So I guess at this point, I'm quite. Um, I would have spent the last uh, couple of hours on watch, but I would have also kind of been in prayer and just um, concentration. I think I'm quite restless at this stage, and he wants to get to Marquis. He feels like he needs to kind of seek out the Ember Order. So I think. As soon as kind of day breaks, he's going to wake everyone up and get us moving. I think we need to get up and, and going. Mm -hmm. So he'll probably wake Tink up first. It, assuming Tink's like in some subroutine shutdown, he'll just like give him give him a knock. It's like instant power on mode. Yeah, he's, he's up and about. He doesn't have like a groggy state or anything. <laughs> wait, wait, wait the others, Tink. We need to get going. Affirmative. And he just goes off and... and sort of toes Mac, well like prods Mac gently with his with his cane and you know I guess Jeremy's probably up and about by this point and then it will go over to Tan Tan and, and do the same uh, when you sort of wake Tan Tan up you hear like the the more familiar tone 
uh, that you've known him for longer. He's like, Ugh. Oh, hey, you're waking me up. It's too early. I need more sleep. We must travel to Marquis. Come now. Uh, fine. It appears your intelligence has reverted to its previous levels. What? Never mind. <laughs> so you sort of spend a little bit of time getting all of the the equipment back up, packing it into your loan rucksack that you sort of have loaned still from the Iceborne Raiders, um, <laughs> and you make your way back towards the coastal path. Um, you sort of follow through the the swamp once more, making your way, avoiding the obstacles that you sort of encountered on your way there. And you manage to make your way back to the riverside and having left the raft sat up onto the side, you sort of manage to easily make your way back across the calm morning river. It sort of took you a couple of hours to get through the swamp and then about another hour or so to make your way back to the coastal path. But sort of considering you're up with uh, the, the dawn sun, you're on the road by sort of early morning. And it takes you some time it takes you most of the day to uh, approach further south towards Marquis. Um, it's about early evening when you reach the city limits. And, well, quite frankly, the easier going... Uh, sorry, it was much easier going the further south you got. The road seemed to be much better maintained here, with the stones of the road more regimented and frequent. It doesn't take much longer before the traffic begins to increase as well. The local traffic from the farms and hamlets that surround Marquis join the road, rather like tributaries join a river as it makes its way to the coast. The sea breeze blows in from your left, the wind cooling on the skin, the smell in your nose salty. And quite honestly, compared to your recent ventures in the north of the Orem coast, things feel much more civil. You begin to climb a small hill. The road winding its way up as you notice small groups. Sorry, the road, the road winding its way up. At the top, you notice small groups catching a breather at, at catching a breather. Some sitting, looking further south. As you begin to crest the hill, you realise why. Your eyes look down into the view below you. You see a large river with clear blue water. As you scan to the left, you see it's not far from its juncture with the sea. You spot small boats and larger ships in the river mouth, making their way to and fro a large port nestled within sheer white cliffs. Overlooking this port, you see a skyline littered with tall, heavy-set buildings, and they're framed within a large wall that crests the cliffside. At the summit of the hill over the river, as you look, the most left-hand side of your view, where the cliffs meet the coast, you spy what must mean be the main fortification and home of the government here. There's a collection of large grey stone buildings overlooking the bay and city itself. As you scan across the skyline to the right, you see the sprawling streets of Marquis. A mixture of all different types of architecture, currently blurred by the haze of chimney smoke as everybody tries to stay warm in the early winter. You follow the skyline further right and you see the tracks of the railway and one of those newfangled trains spewing smoke into the sky. You follow the tracks towards the river and you see there's a bridge being constructed and seemingly that must be the end of the line. 
Those of you who know Marquis know that some of the structures here date back almost a thousand years, predating the Day of Silence. But now you're absorbed by this grand scene. And down at the entrance where you see the Grand River crossing, flanked by large defensive towers. I mean, this did used to be the furthest north the Republic of the Aurum Coast dared to travel. It is said that the Orcs of the North used to be much more ferocious. As you take in this vast city, which for some of you is a new experience altogether, you notice that the citizens of the city look like small ants, moving with an organic feel as they go about their daily business. The road in front of you continues to wind down towards the grand bridge that leads into the city. All right, Mac is going to jump him down. Tink, Tink, what is that? And he's pointing at the train. Uh, Tink will describe a train to Mac in as simple terms as possible. Uh, probably going into far too much detail as usual about exactly how the train functions and what it's made of and how many rivets there are on each wheel. Uh, I think Mac is just going to stand there open mouthed and listen to all this as he watches this majestic metal train do whatever <laughs> it's doing. Yeah, so it's it's sort of over on the side. You can sort of see it uh, just about. It's over on the far sort of what would be uh, eastern side of the city. You can sort of see like there's a, a little bit and you can sort of see this metal thing. It's like it's still far in the distance, but you just see this sort of metal beast uh, just like pulling all these carriages. Um, and it's sort of just moving at the moment very, very slowly. And you sort of see it's detached and it's sort of moving along this little bit of track and then it's sort of goes across to one side and it looks like it's going from one end of whatever it's been pulling to the other. Tink, do you have one? Well, no, I, I, I do not. I'm a tailor, not a train operator. I think we should buy one. We should use the gold uh, that we were given by by the man for 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 sorting out the 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 raiders and we should buy a train Tink got a cox's head how, how much gold do we have mac uh this much and mac shows him the <laughs> the purse which has 23 gold pieces in it Ooh, i think that may purchase us one rivet i'm, I'm uh, gainer's gonna look across and go it looks silver in this light <laughs> <laughs> Was it silver pieces? Oh yes, it was silver pieces. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna go. He's gonna go. Mac, eat some more of that wheat that you picked up in the monastery. You might need it going into this city. All right, we do not have any gold pieces, but we do have this much silver pieces. So, if we cannot buy a train, and he's gonna look about surreptitiously, perhaps we can steal a train. Tink kind of because this is Tink's home. Like he, he loves Marky. He he, he's, he feels a lot more at ease. Perhaps instead, Mac, we should perhaps tr with that coinage there, we could perhaps p purchase a ticket and go for a ride on a train. We do not necessarily need to own one ourselves. Yes, we will do that. Where <laughs> where can we go? It's at this point. John realises he's not planned out the train trip. <laughs> we are not spending any time at dun, all. Dun, dun. We're getting on that train and we are leaving. To the station! <laughs> it goes further south. <laughs> so Scribbles quickly in DM. 
For, fortunately for you, John, um, Galen's obviously quite pressed about seeking the kind of Ember Order in Marquis. Um, he's probably just going to turn to the person that he trusts most in the group, which is which is Tink, and and kind of palm him one of the gold one of the gold coins that he got from the crypt and say, "I must speak to the Ember Order. Look after them in Marquis, and I will catch up with you later." And, and basically, Galen kind of goes off into the city. Um, he he knows that kind of the Ember Order probably wouldn't welcome strangers and he needs to seek them out himself so he's probably not going to do it with the rest of the group. So as you recede so, off into the distance, this... Tink's like, but <laughs> doesn't get a word out. At this moment, so you, you pass him the coin and you sort of start walking down this path. So Galen's probably at this moment just a few metres in front of you walking down this path towards the city. Would you like some company? <laughs> and Tink just kind of you like sort of hit you hear like the the 56k modem screech. Very well. <laughs> I will find you some accommodation for the evening. Oh, I was talking to uh, uh, um, um, Galen. If he wanted some company, I could go with him. I've never seen around uh, Ma Ma uh, Marquis. Perhaps he could show me around. <laughs> oh, very well. Do do please <laughs> join him. I'm sure he would not mind. If you want to be shown round, Tink lives here. He knows all the best places. Thank you, Matt. Do, do, you, do you know that where the train okay. is? <laughs> yes, yes, I know where the train lives. He's going to look rather excitedly at Mac and go, uh, um, <laughs> let's, let's go! <laughs> <laughs> at this point, I think Gaynor's so happy that he's like abandoned Tink, <laughs> like Mac. <laughs> and Tan you sort of look back. Like really training the enthusiasts. <laughs> yeah. you, look, you look back. As you're sort of like walking down towards the gate, and you sort of look back, at you and Tink's like stood in between what looks like two very well, two very excitable people, and then there's a, a third, the, 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 you know, there's Gillis in his crow outfit, just staring at the city. He's like looks like quite wide-eyed, um, just looking out over this city, and sort of this lack of trees and everything sort of seems to be hitting him quite hard at this moment. Um, but, uh, Galen, you're the first one sort of to make your way down towards uh, the bridge itself. And as you approach the bridge, you can see that there's a small queue of people waiting uh, to cross over into the city itself. There's two guards uh, checking carts, papers, and then waving people through. They're wearing fine leather armour with an embroidery of an eagle perched on a cliffside on their chest. And they have vibrant green cloaks uh, with gold trimming hanging, hanging off one shoulder. Um, slung over their other shoulder seems to be a rifle of some sort. Now, oh, there's just a few people in this queue, um, but they do seem to be processing people quickly. And you sort of join this this scene. Um, the rest of you, what are you doing? I guess we make our way to the border check. And okay, check so as you sort of make your way down, with, with Galen being enthusiastic to, to go first, he sort of stood at the end of this queue and the rest of you sort of saunter up behind him and you bump into Galen at the, the back of the queue. <laughs> Hello, Galen. Oh, no. <laughs> Galen, maybe we will get you a ticket for the train, Galen. <laughs> T Tink has promised us a tour. Would you like to join us? <laughs> oh, very well, very well. Tink at this point is mentally making a note of who he can palm them off onto next once he gets back to the <laughs> shop. <laughs> okay, so 
as uh, as you sort of uh, start making your way through the queue, um, these sort of two guards are like, you know, they, they wave the people in front of you, just in front, and then your small group appears. And they just sort of look at you all and sort of go, I'm guessing this is another group of mercenaries. Uh, what, what are you folks uh, doing in Marquee today? Actually, my fine gentleman, I'm a resident of this city. And like, Tim and we holds are out his, his hand. friends. And like on his hand, a little holographic display appears, and it's got like his kind of papers and identification on it. And he sort of looks over and goes, "Ah, oh, yes, Orion of the Clockwork uh, Clockwork District. Uh, very well, thank you very much. Uh, y- you may pass. Uh, the rest of you, purpose, please. We're going to see the train. I like trains. <laughs> <laughs> going to see the train. Tourists. That's rather strange. You seem rather well armed for tourists." I don't know what a tourist is. How many arms <laughs> no, does that... a tourist normally have? Well, I guess... Uh, until this moment, <laughs> this guard's are, like taken aback by the question. So goes, well, most tourists have two arms, but some don't have two arms. Um, you know. And he sort of like confusedly looks over and goes, well, they're just... It is sort of colleague. How would you describe a tourist? He goes, well, they're tourists. How do you not know what a tourist is, good sir? I I don't think we have them in the mountains. Um, Jeremy doesn't have any arms. Is that going to be a problem? And he sort of looks down. Uh, hang on. So are you are you here to to visit the, our fine city, or are you bringing your sheep to market? Oh no, Jeremy is not for sale. He's coming with us to see the train. Our friend Tink is going to show us all the good things in in your city. And he sort of turns to, to you, Tink, and goes, are you vouching for this group? And he kind of looks, cocks his head and kind of shrugs. Like, you know, he's like, yeah, if I must. And he goes, okay, very well. And you sort of see, he sort of nods over to his uh, uh, partner who just there uh, sort of just makes a couple of notes in his book. Uh, I am King Mac. And he sort of looks over. Very well. And writes down King Mac and sort of looks up at the next one and goes, name, please. Uh, uh, Tan Tan. Thank you. Uh, name, please. And the sort of the flicks black hair to one side and sort of reveals sort of like under the the crow hood, just goes, um, Gillis. Writes it down. Uh, and you? Ah, a knight of the Ember Order, I see. Yes, I. my name is Galen Pyehart. Ah, down. Very well, uh, please. Uh, and this go is about Jeremy. <laughs> sort of like, and the guard pauses for a moment and you sort of see sort of just writes that and very well nice to meet you Jeremy uh, please on you go good sirs thank uh, you very much be aware please whilst you are in Marquis behave yourselves and we have taken descriptions of your entry just in case any misdemeanours uh, happen to occur during your stay in our fine city Tantan's going to take a step back and like like lean in uncomfortably close to the garden, be like, "If a tourist loses an arm, are they still a tourist?" <laughs> yes, they're an armless tourist. And sort of like his his, his uh, companion goes, ha, 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 "That was a good one. I like that one." He goes, yeah, "I thought it was a good one too." Anyway, please, on you go. <laughs> Okay. So I, guess, <laughs> so I guess as we go past the kind of guard, Galen's going to kind of like grab his arm and kind of like lean into him and he is going to say like I need to speak to the Ember Order. W- where can I locate them in Marquis? 
And he sort of like looks at you and goes, uh, um, I believe, uh, I believe they're somewhere just off the Central Marketplace. Uh, somewhere around there. Somewhere just off, uh, Golden Avenue. I believe you'll, you'll know it when you find it. I, I believe that's where they are. Thank you, good sir. He'll kind of let go of his wrist and kind of like walk off with the rest of the group. Cool. So I would assume at this point Tink is kind of leading the way, given that he knows the place. Um, yeah. At this point, he will explain to the group that he needs to go and check on his shop. Then he also needs to visit an Orion-only establishment. Uh, so he's going to have to find you guys some accommodation for the evening, given that the sun is setting, right? Yep, so it's sort of like the, 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 the sun is indeed making its way towards the horizon once more. Um, and sort of as you make your way over the bridge, you do notice there is a large inn sitting on the right-hand side just over the river. It's a, a large wooden building, horizontal dark planks making up the three-storey structure. Outside there is a large stable area with several horses being tended to by young stable hands. And there's also a sign outside saying vacancies just below. Um, there is a, a, a bouncer stood at the door a broad half orc with dark green skin and blue war paint over the right hand side of his face um he's wearing neat leathers and has a fur lined cloak draped over his shoulders mac i believe you'll find suitable accommodation here for the evening i must attend to my shop my home and also uh, some other affairs okay i can hire us a room do you want a room here? Do you want to stay with us here as well? No, I, I have a house in the Orient, in the Clockwork Quarter. Can't we well, stay with you? Yeah, we, would it not be best for us all to stay together? It is rather small. And just so you're aware, like, Orion kind of homes are like, you know, in Futurama, where Bender has, like, <laughs> a closet, and, like, that is his room. That That is literally it. There's no... There's no additional room off the back of it. It's literally, it's more like an alcove, if anything, with a door. Fair enough. Right, uh, okay, we can stay here at the inn. Um, we can get some drinks, maybe, Mac? Yes, and then we can go and see the train. Train, yes. <laughs> train sounds good. <laughs> They're going to go off on this train. Tim's going to go off. Galen's got to go off, and it's the adventures <laughs> of Mac and Tanta. <laughs> the spin off like series. Come on, what happens yeah. on this night? <laughs> it's absolutely. Did not plan for this. <laughs> I mean, you can hand wave my stuff if you want, John. It, it doesn't need to be necessarily. No, no, no. We're, we're, we'll carry on. So, um, sort of as you make your way into the, the gatehouse in. Um, sort of, I assume, sort of at this point, uh, Tink and Galen, you're going to sort of make your way um, elsewhere, but you know, you've got a, a meeting point. And Tan Tan and Mac, uh, as long with Gillis, you sort of make your way into the, the inn. You manage to acquire yourself uh, a room for the night. Do you want to have a shared room or private room? Um, we can have a, a shared room, then we can all stay together, but it needs to be a room suitable for a king. Okay. So as you sort of walk in, and uh, you know, there's uh, this establishment itself is uh, rather basic. Um, you know, it's not the, the glorious sort of uh, 
eclectic mix that the the dandy owl was with all the wonderful charms hanging off the ceiling this place is just functional it's got a bar it's got some organized chairs and chairs and tables around the room there's um a few sort of patrons just sat down having some meals um sort of quite calm and collected and you get the impression from looking around at the people in here that they're sort of traveling merchants visitors um who are just making their way through the city and sort of as you approach and you ask about inquire about the room they sort of look at you and go uh, well we have uh, a shared room and i am sure it will be a uh, fit for a king like yourself um it'll cost you uh, one silver for the room each night all right um tan tan how many nights uh, do you think we need well uh, do we get a discount if we have more than one night or is it just one silver piece it's uh, one silver piece, unless it's a, a long stay. Maybe we stay for one night, we pay one silver, and then if we need another night, we come back, and we pay another silver and get a room for another night. Okay. Right. Mac is going to get out the group money purse. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> we need one night, so take one silver. Person sort of looks at you and goes, reaches over and takes one silver and goes, Thank you very much, and sort of puts the silver away to one side and reaches behind, grabs a little key off the hook, and passes it back to you. And says, You'll uh, you'll find the room on the second floor. It's got um six beds in it. Thank you very much. Um we also need some drinks. We need drinks. Ah, are you are you looking for uh, for meals, or are you looking for um, a bar to frequent? Uh, no, we. Oh, this isn't, this doesn't have a. This isn't a. This is an, doesn't have a pub in it. No, well, uh, no. Sorry, we we don't serve a large amount of drinks. We have a bit of a policy here because we are a, a coach house. Uh, we allow people to sleep here, but due to our positioning at the front of the city, we don't allow for the rowdy behaviours here. Um, if you are Oopsie. looking. If you are looking for an establishment, might I suggest the portside potluck down in the port? Okay, thank you very much. Uh, you'll find it, and she sort of spends a little bit of time just giving you some directions. It's quite clear. It's sort of um, out the out the front along the main road, and you sort of follow the road that goes down towards the port. And she sort of said, you know, you'll make your way down towards the port market, and it'll you'll find it down there. I have okay. a feeling we're going to get lost. We need Can't to. Miss it. We will leave a message. Can you can we leave a message with you for our friend Tink, please? Uh, yes, of course, of course. Um, we have gone to get a drink. We will see you later. <coughs> she picks it up, writes a little note, and goes, uh, "Tink, did you say?" Yes, he is a no. very clever uh, man made of metal. Ah, an Orion. Ah, wonderful. Yes, I shall. I shall leave that here. And uh, at this point, Gillis sort of like looks at you and goes, "I'm gonna pass on the drinks. I've got some things to think about. Um, I'll give them the message if they arrive." And he sort of says, "Pass us the key. I'll uh, I'll wait for you upstairs." You're missing out, but uh, enjoy. <laughs> and he sort of takes the key and he sort of makes his way upstairs, seemingly something on his mind. Um. So. So, let's start with uh, Galen. So, um, 
you make your way um, through the back streets of Marquis to the small alleyway to the northwest of the main market square. In front of you, there's a narrow wooden building, nestled between its neighbours. It's slightly crooked and run down, and it sort of seamlessly fits its surroundings. It's made from dark wood with dark windows. And one at the top has a small smash in it, and simply has a small piece of wood behind to cover the hole. There's a small roof over the door, held up by two slightly off-angle beams. Whilst the building seems nothing special, your intuition makes you think that you know the secret that this building holds. Though, in all honesty, it's been some time since you were last here. You walk up to the small porch, placing your hand on the left-hand beam, running your fingers down until you find the small sigil of the Ember Order that has been etched into the wood. What would you like to do? So I think at this point, I'm going to press the sigil in. Um, okay. To make a ding-dong Turn it use 90 degrees, pull it back out. <laughs> turn it 180 degrees, push it back in, and step back from the door. Okay. <laughs> and you sort of take a moment, and a few more moments pass. And then you hear this as the door opens slowly in front of you. I had a I had a vision that when he pushed the sigil in it would sound like a gas burner trying to start. <laughs> <laughs> Just plays the like prodigy fire starter. Oh, <laughs> they've got a personalised doorbells here in Marky. So, so at this point uh, Galen's going to uh, push the door open and, and kind of step in. As you push the door open, uh, you cross over the threshold and the incense is the first thing that hits your senses. The smells of the city are quickly replaced by cinnamon and nutmeg. The room is small, with a small staircase at the back leading to a top floor. And there's a small door off to the right-hand side leading to a kitchen of sorts. To your right on the far side of the room there is a small shrine with several candles sat on a red silk cloth with a golden icon of the Ember God at its centre. At the centre of this room stands a large brick chimney, with a small fire at its base, crackling away. To the side of this, an old man sits in a dark mahogany chair. He wears ornate leathers, and has a beautiful red tabard with a gold trim. And to the side of the chair leans a silver two-handed maul. His face has seen much in his life. He has scars of battle over his right cheek and over his left eye. He's even missing his left ear too. You know this man to be Sir Ulrich Fireblade. And he looks up at you as you walk in. Uh, hello, Sonny. How are you? So, so at this point, I guess um, Galen will first, as he steps into the room, I, uh, based on kind of... Um, his, his, um, I guess training, he will, training, his, um, kind of time in the order, he will actually go straight to the shrine, he will take and take the knee and kind of say a prayer, um, this is the first thing that the, the kind of, the emperor order priest would expect, um, he then says a quick prayer, stands up, turns back to Ulrich and says, ah, oh, Ulrich, um, I, I, I seek advice, I seek guidance, I am troubled, and what is troubling you, good sir? What What is up? 
I have been on, on a pilgrimage to seek artifacts for the Order, yet I have stumbled upon a monastery. A monastery that contains a, a crypt. A crypt that bears the name Cornelius Pyreheart. This is surely my name, but on the crypt it says the Deathless One. What does this mean? Are they related sort of looks to me? Sort of looks at you. Cornelius, Cornelius. Hmm. Hmm. That's ringing a bell of sorts. Hmm. Maybe I have heard legends of that name, but, well, Pyrehearts, it's a very Ember Order name. Maybe you are related to him. I, I do not know. Uh, remind me, who was it that, that sent you out on this quest? Was it Rajmund, was it? Yes. I came from the temple uh, in the in the west, and you must clearly know Rajman, the timeless high priest of the Ember Order. Yes, yes, he was here not uh, not a month ago. It was very strange. He sort of came along, and uh, he then went to go and look for something. It seemed very urgent, but yes, well, I mean, you're the first member of the Ember Order I've seen in here for quite some time. I mean, in all fairness, I was getting a little bit lonely. Um, there used to be much more for, much more visitors. Hmm. Uh, very strange. I mean, as you know, there's the book over on the side, just by the shrine. If you want to write in any of your finds in there, and the ember, the ember god will get back to you, I am sure. And that is how he, the great fiery one, works. I'll leave a message after the tome. <laughs> Um, so at this point, Gennis say very well, and he'll kind of head over to the to, to the book, and kind of write his findings down. Um, he's still kind of perplexed by the fireheart and uh, but by the pyreheart and the kind of like the the Cornelius name on that on that tomb, and he can't help shake it. Um, I guess he's going to turn back to Ulrich and kind of say, "I, I must I must know Ulrich." Where can I find out more information about about the Ember Order? Surely, surely you must have some books on um, our kind of coverage in the local area. What and, and why? Why haven't you seen anyone in such a long time? Surely we were quite prominent in this region. Yes, well, there was a few visitors. They were coming by and you know putting their findings into the book as as we do, going out searching for knowledge amongst the world. Um, but yes, just recently, just fewer people coming through. I've lost track of the days, I feel like I've been stuck inside for quite some time. Um, I don't know, well, there was, there was somebody who came, it was not long after, uh, after, uh, oh, what's his name again? Ah, yes, Rajmund, he came just after the last one, had some findings. I believe it will be the last entry in the book before yours. Uh, so at this point, Galen will go over to the book and kind of read the previous entries. So the last entry uh, prior. So you sort of like looking at the ink. The ink's faded quite a little bit on some of the previous entries. It's, you know, it sort of matches up with there being quite some time between entries. And the last entry does read, um, Ancient Shrine Found on the Edge of the Drakvald. Okay, 
So at this point, I guess the the kind of ancient shrine would would that be just thinking back? Is that the is that related to the monastery that we just found? Uh, no, the the Drakvald is a large forest expanse uh, to the west. Um, so, sort of before the the great mountain range that sort of separates the Aurum coast with the Empire, um, there is a large forest that sort of goes into a valley um, that is known as the Drakvald. Ulrich, Ulrich, what do you know of the Drakvald? And the ancient shrine that lies there within. Uh, oh, sorry, I don't read the book. That's for the Ember Lord to read. I just sit here and provide words of wisdom. Uh, what do I know of the Drakvald? Oh, I've been there once. It's a place of beasts and creatures and darkness and shadows. The sun doesn't shine in the darkest parts of that forest. It's not far from Monte Cresco. There's a city fort just on the outside that sort of guards the western front of the northern Orm coast. Um, there's probably a bit crap this time of year. It's going to be a bit cold out there. Um, yes... Well, I mean, I'm sorry, Sonny, that I can't really help you with your search, but, um, but yes, I mean, I know we are continuing to embark on this journey of knowledge, and, you know, and my suggestion for you is go and seek more knowledge, and I don't know, maybe if you're trying to find out some things about history, you might want to go and talk to a historian. <laughs> Not a historian like me, I'm just old, I don't know much things. Uh, but anyway, praise his fiery goodness. I'm sure he will bring you good luck. Where might I find a historian in in this city? Uh, well, there's the really large building called the Archaeology Society. You might find somebody there. Uh, maybe some of the mages up in the, um, the district up by the archaeology area will know as well. Thank you. Thank you, Ulrich. Um, one final thing before I depart. I, yes, I have, yes. I have a donation to make to the Ember Order, but um, oh, this sort wonder... of eyes spark up slightly as you say <laughs> this. So, so at this point, he will just return the three gold coins and also fifty silver from his um, from his funds that he has, okay. and just go. This is for the Ember Order. Oh, he sort of takes them off and goes. Oh, thank you, thank you very much. For the Ember Order, yes. You have to pay sort of to like be a member of the Order. Puts them, he, he, puts them, he puts them sort of on the side of his chair for one moment and goes, yes, thank you very much for your donation, Sonny. It's, it's, very, it's, it's a pleasure. It's great. I haven't received a donation for some time. Did I mention I haven't seen anybody in a while? <laughs> it's been a while. How's life with you? <laughs> well... <laughs> What's so funny? <laughs> why, why is, why is my loneliness something to laugh at? It, it's actually the, the adventure that I've been on the pilgrimage and the people that I've seen. I've been exposed to so much danger. Um, I guess one thing I would ask is that: Do you have any equipment from the Ember Order that I could, that I could use? I could really do with some additional armor. He sort of looks around and he goes, I, well, I, I don't have anything and I don't think any of my stuff will fit you. Uh, I was I was a bit bigger than you back in the day. 
Yes. Um, anyway, I would suggest if you need if you need any work done, you you need to go and see uh, Frances. She'll sort you out. Uh, she's off in the, uh, the the Golden Avenue. She has a, um, a shop just along there. One of the finest smithies. Just uh, just mention that Sir Ulrich sent you, and she'll uh, she'll give you a nice little discount. I'm sure. Very well, very well. Um, Ulrich, I must I must part ways. I must meet up with my my fellow adventurers. I will be I will return, and I I will let you know of what I find. Yes, very well, very well. Thank you, thank you for letting me know. And he sort of like leans up, and he sort of reaches up underneath the the sort of arm of of his chair and sort of presses a little button. And as as he presses this button, the door goes and just opens slightly. Thought it was gonna be a diet coke button. Uh, and then I'll exit the room. And you sort of walk out the room, and sort of behind you, the door just and shuts behind you. The, uh, uh, roll a perception check. Do we reckon the three gold pieces, fifteen silver pieces, was that like an annual subscription? Or was that like a monthly subscription? <laughs> it's like lifetime. Have you ever got like yeah. lifetime membership yeah. in National Trust? Yeah. Like that. Sounds yeah. awfully like a cult to me. Um, I actually yeah. got um, pyramid scheme. So, uh, <laughs> so perception actually got fifteen with a double five. Fifteen. Ooh. So with a fifteen, as you sort of like make your way, as the door shuts behind you, you just hear this sort of like. Jackpot! <laughs> behind you, um, as you sort of walk away from from the room. <laughs> Just submitted all that f- all that money to Sir Ulrich's OnlyFans. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and at this point, I guess um, uh, Galen will make his way towards uh, Francis um, in okay. the Golden Avenue. Is that what it was okay. called? It's called Gilder's Street, but it's Gilder Street. named the Golden Avenue. Okay, um, so over over to you, Tink. Um, yes. Where are you going first? Uh, mm, what would he do? I think he feels, given his experiences out in, because he's not really left Marquis in in most of his life until like recently, and he's suddenly mm-hmm. realised that he is not equipped for this world. So I think what he's going to do is he's going to head into the Clockwork Quarter and find the. Well, what appears to be the Orion nightclub called Upgrade. However, okay. so <laughs> so as you you sort of make your way through the city, um, along your your journey, um, you make your way um, sort of around the central market, not quite going. You sort of make your way through the smaller streets. Um, you, you sort of proceed east from the central market, following the road as it rises up towards the top of the cliffs and the fortification at the summit. Um, and you begin to reach a road, very familiar one to you. Seems far busier than the bustling market in this evening sun. You see all the buildings, the large shop windows, each with their small wooden sign hanging over their door. And you see the people staring at windows, conversing with their companions. The hum and hubbub of socialising while shopping, a familiar sound to you. Um... And you sort of realise that you're you're walking along Golden Avenue, the, the the locale of your shop and sort of many of the other shops that you work at. And as you make your way along the, the street, you sort of take a turning off to the side and you make your way into the area known as the Clockwork Quarter. The sign let you know that much as you made your way in. The architecture here is very different from the rest of the city. It's much more metallic. 
but each building seems to sort of combine all sorts of different styles in sort of one mixing pot. The other thing that you notice is the small number of people here are all Orion. They're all your people, all different shapes and sizes, and the buzz of the city is much, much quieter here, and you know that people tend to give this area a wide berth. You make your way down this small area to what seems a simple building at first, um, but the shadow sort of conceals a rather large set of stairs leading down inside. As you approach, out of the shadows, at the side, a small but broad Orion emerges. Black metal body with large fists. He might only be five foot tall and shorter than most, but he looks like he could pack you a real punch. He sort of looks at you and goes, Ah, hello, Tink. How are you? Ah, greetings. It's been a while since I've seen another of my kind. Gah. It's been a while since you've been here, too. Had fun? Yes, it's been interesting. Good. Please go in. Thank you very much. And he kind of flips a silver coin at him as he walks past. And he sort of like raises this big fist up and catches it and then opens his hand to realise that he's crushed the silver <laughs> coin into a smaller bit. Thanks. Bitcoin. And sort of drops it into a little sort of like pot just by his side um, which you can sort of see is filled with small bits of silver like crushed up <laughs> um, you make your way downstairs into the Orion exclusive club it's quiet I mean there aren't many Orions in Marquee but for you this is one of the most homely places you know everything is beautifully crafted it's a wonderful mix of metal and dark wood the smell of is fresh and clean, with a little bit of a hint of oil. In front of you there lies a large bar, glasses hanging down from the ceiling, and an array of bottles at the back containing shades of dark liquid. At the front, there's a beautifully crafted Orion. She stands around six and a half feet tall, and has chrome metal inlaid with silver and gold. She sort of looks over at you, and sort of weighs her hand. Ah, Tink, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. It's lovely to be back here. Yeah, it's lovely to see you. How may I help? I'm looking to upgrade my personality core. It appears in my recent travels I am ill-equipped to deal with common folk. They, they, they do not understand our intellectual conversation. Ah, well, you have come to the right place. You know me, the Builder Bee. I will sort you out. And she sort of, like, takes you by the hand and sort of walks you round to the side, sort of, like, holding your hand over the um, the side as, as, as she does and takes you round and sort of touches your face, moves your head to one side, looks up and down and turns back and goes, Hmm. You wish to converse with the simpler folk? Yes, yes. And what, what kind of communication are you after? It is more vocabulary, vernacular, and accent I wish to inherit. Hmm, that is a challenging job indeed. Well, let's see what I can sort out for you. It might take a little bit of time, but I will do my work. 
back and she sort of clamps her sort of hands together and sort of tinks her fingers and they sort of make a metallic rattle as she moves across and she sort of brings her hand up to her face. Yes. I shall enjoy working on you. Yes. Yes. This should be quite some fun. And she sort of like takes you out into the back of the the uh, the bar area and walks you into this sort of workshop of sorts. You know, it's rather like sort of a, a surgery, but for robots. Um, there's sort of different parts just all around. There's a what looks like a, a mortuary table just in the middle. This metallic just table just there in the centre. All these different tools, and she sort of moves over to one side, and she sort of. Please uh, take a seat. He'll pop off his bowler hat and like hang it on a hat stand. Clearly, <laughs> it's nearby, and, and prop his cane up in an umbrella stand, and then walk over to the table. <laughs> and she sort of says, ah, "Wonderful, wonderful." And she sort of moves over to the side, and you see her sort of uh, just picking various tools up and sort of putting them onto her hands. And she sort of returns to you, and her hands have got loads of chrome tools now off them and they sort of start whirring and moving as she approaches you and she sort of lays her hand on your shoulder and sort of eases you down onto the table and says don't worry you won't feel a thing as her hand just moves up the side of your chest up towards your neck and her finger presses in and everything goes black um so Tan Tan, Mac, what are you two going to do? I think we just meant meant Tink's love interest. (laughs) I mean, uh, romantic assembly partner. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, uh, Tan Tan's going to freshen up uh, before heading out. Okay, so um, it, it it costs one silver for a bath. How much for a bucket of water? <laughs> um, she just says, well, if you're happy doing it out by the horses, that'll cost you for nothing. Okay, Tantan's going to go and do that then. <laughs> okay, so you go out into the slightly yeah, smelly um, sort of stables and you sort of go and grab yourself a bucket of water from the side and sort of with the smell of manure around you, just do that old man thing, strip yep. off all your clothes, <laughs> You've throw got the it. water over your head. And, and it's at this moment that you do sort of realise that, you know, you don't care. But there are two there are two sort of stable hands right now just, like, mucking out. And they do sort of, like, look over and then sort of avert their eyes as they just sort of continue to, to muck out as you're there sort of having a wash. John, I'd like to, in my very best uh, L'Oreal slash Pantene Pro V advert, swing my wet beard slash hair around, creating a beautiful arc of water. And be like, eh, you like what you see? <laughs> <laughs> and at this moment, this is like, this has a, I, I don't see anything good, sir. As the sir just continue to, to sort of like muck away as, as, as you're there having your wash. Okay. He's just going to carry on. He doesn't okay. care. Um, so it takes you some time to, to freshen up. Whilst uh, Tantan is freshening up, Mac, are you doing anything? Uh, I am just, I'm just following. I followed him out. It's <laughs> a mistake. I just sitting beard. there impatient. Hurry up, Tantan. <laughs> Could you get my back? I can't quite reach down my shoulder blades. Oh, I, he looks around for something. Is there a, a mop or something he can, or a well, brush? What there is, is there's like there's there is a brush uh, just lent up against the wall. Oh no! All right, he's gonna sigh and pick up the brush and give okay. his back a brush down. Okay, 
So as you start brushing his back, you realise that you're using one of the mucking out brushes <laughs> to like scratch onto his back. It's got really hard bristles. Oh, uh, that's um, the stuff. As he that's like, the start spot. Scratching, like it, it's really hitting the spot. Like oh, it's it's like it's it's great. But you sort of Mac, you do notice that as you're doing this, like you're washing him, but he's like getting dirtier as you like, <laughs> scratch his back. I I think you are clean now, Tantan. We need to go. <laughs> Uh, okay, let me let me grab another bucket just to rinse, and uh, we'll go. And uh, he'll just—I assume there's like a horse trough nearby, and he'll just sort yeah, of like yeah. dunk himself in the horse trough. Yeah, liberally. So he goes into the horse trough, dunks himself in the horse oh, horse trough. Um, you know, you think you're pretty clean, um, as clean as you can, washing yourself in the stables with the animals. Um, but you know, you're there, and, and as you're having a little wash, Jeremy trots over and starts having a little drink out of the trough. I um, would not drink that, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy so like stops, looks we up. We will find you something nice to drink, don't you worry. <laughs> it looks at bleats there, and then sort of like trots over back to you, Mac. I'm just going to uh, grab uh, like a horse blanket just to quickly dry myself <laughs> off, uh, and then uh, slip my uh, still swampy robes back on. <laughs> Okay, you sort of do that, and you sort of like at the moment you sort of put the swampy robes on, and you start making your way. Um, are you are you going to follow the directions that you were given? Uh, yeah, yeah, as well so. as I can remember okay. them. <laughs> Good. So as you as you're walking along the main road, um, you do remember the place that you're trying to go to is the, is the port side um, potluck, and as you're sort of making your way down this sort of main street, um, you do sort of notice there is a sign off to the side that sort of has a big anchor hanging off it and there is this clear sort of sheer white cliff that you recognize as the place where the port was i mean the city of marquis it's sort of like the port is nestled away in this sort of coved cliffed area um so you make your way down um towards this um as you make your way uh down towards the port um you sort of overcome by the salty air and certainly with the sun beginning to set it sort of the, the coldness hits you you'll make your way down towards a, a central marketplace of sorts the smell of fish mixes with the salty breeze and it's an honestly overpowering smell and the aroma just seems trapped within this embrace of the sheer white cliffs. You heard a rumour once that gods carved out this land. But who really knows what happened here? But blimey does it smell of fish. <laughs> As you approach, the market stalls of this place are made of a mixture of crates, boxes and canvas. You sort of browse a couple of stalls and you see sailing provisions, tools, and some fish-based foodstuffs. You also notice over on the side of the market there's a large wooden building. Outside there are tables and chairs, and there's sailors and locals having a merry time under this large wooden cover. The door to this place is large swinging doors. Well, if you could really call them that, they're more like flaps. They swing open with a wooden creak every time a patron or a server passes through. Above the door arches a great sign, written with an artistic flair, and it reads Portside Potluck. What would you like to do? I think I've seen where we are going to get our drink. 
Come on, Tantan. Okay, on, I'll follow you. Let's go. Okay. You make you make your way inside. You sort of push back this uh, this wooden flap with a creak, and inside it's rather smoky. Sailors and locals puffing on their pipes and drinking beer. The wooden beams are beautifully on show in this place. Over onto your left, someone punches somebody. There's a small scuffle. And you see the assailant getting strong-armed out of the establishment. As you look over, you see a man brush himself off, gather his thoughts, and settle back down to a board game of some sort. Uh, yeah, I'm just heading to the bar. Okay. You make your way to the bar, and sort of this dark-skinned, um, sort of cat-like creature greets you. Fur on the face shoulders and sort of this tail that's currently holding a cloth and wiping a, um, a tankard. So it looks up at you and goes, yes, how can I help? Um, I would like a drink for me and my two friends, please. Ah, perfect. Uh, what kind of drink would you be after? Um, something we can take away with us because we're going to see the train. Uh we don't do takeaway drinks. Uh, please sit down, enjoy the revelry that's on hand. Maybe go and play some darts or some blackjack over on the tables down there. Or maybe you could go have a go at Grinvald in the corner and beat him at a game of taffel. He's going to look at Tantan. Perhaps if we have a very small drink, we can drink it very quickly and then go to the train. <laughs> y yes, yes. Ask for the smallest drink. That sounds yes. that sounds smart. But yes, it needs yes. to be as strong as possible to make up for it being small. That makes sense. So we will have three of your smallest, strongest drinks, please. Oh, three. Okay, three of yours. Okay. Uh, and sort of this, this being sort of the eyes wide and ever so slightly, and that the fur looks at you and sort of it's very similar to, to cats that you've seen before but this one sort of humanoid and, and large and sort of like looks round looks at the bottles behind them and sort of the tail moves up grabs a bottle off the side throws it into the hand you sort of see them reach underneath they get a little tankard out that's got a lid and they pour some things in do a little bit of mixing and then they start to shake it and throw it up in the air catch it with their tail it's quite an impressive show for such a small drink and sort of like gets this and as they're sort of shaking it with their tail they grab out these three small glasses sort of shakes it throws it down and the tail pours these three drinks out in front of you what and they're, the... they're very small the colour is green vibrant green um, and yeah it just fills this ever so slightly small cup what does the bottle say the one that they uh, knocked off <laughs> Roll a perception check. Okay. First roll of the night. Uh, let me just see. Engine oil. Don't worry, Ollie. You're back in Tantan mode now. Oh, here we go. Okay. Thirteen. Thirteen. Okay, so um, what that? Uh, 13, perception plus two, fifteen. Uh, you read it saying uh, the special stuff. Mm. Sorry, could you repeat that? I didn't quite catch that. Yes, it's, it just says the special stuff. Oh, and it's sort of in an elaborate writing. It seems to be some sort of brand of sorts. Uh, it says the special stuff. That's good. Yes. Well, I am Can certainly I... special, as is Jeremy. <laughs> I don't know about you. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, very special, yes. Then <laughs> I think this is ideal. Can I sniff the drink okay. with my you crooked you sniff, nose? You sniff the you drink. You wake up three days uh, later. <laughs> make a smelling check. <laughs> oh, God, what's that under? Is that under perception? or? That is a perception test, yes. Okay. Just Don't go you have a focus in that room? Yes, he does. <laughs> uh, that is an 11. An 11. Okay, so as you s- smell this, like... The, the aroma of alcohol just, like, hits you right in the back of the throat. Whatever this drink is, it is really, really strong. Uh, this will put uh, hair on your throat. Uh, uh, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> cheers. And, and like, the, the, first, the first creature, like, looks at you and just goes, Are you trying to make some form of joke on my expense? Uh, what, what do you mean? You just said it would put hair on your throat. I'm covered in hair. <laughs> no, no, I meant because it's strong. No, no I'm, I'm a very tolerant person. And this, I was talking about the alcohol. I'm sorry. I didn't I didn't mean to be offensive. I was just talking about the alcohol. <laughs> it, and it's the, strong, yes? And at this point, it's sort of like the, the creature in front of you just bares its teeth ever so slightly, snarls, and walks over to the other side of the bar to serve somebody else. <laughs> okay, um, Tantan is going to want to get out of here as quickly as possible, so he's going to down the drink, and uh, yep. make a move for the door, yep, if Mac he can is still doing walk. the same, as is Jeremy. Okay, so... Well, how, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. how is Jeremy down <laughs> Mac is going to pick him up, turn him upside down, and pour the drink down his throat. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> So, okay. Oh my god. <laughs> John, I'd like you to do a constitution drinking test for a sheep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Waterboarding test. Um, so, um, at this moment, just before you, just poor, before poor you sort of get, turn to leave, um, sort of this, this, this dark-skinned woman just sort of pauses you. Uh, excuse me, sirs. Uh, you need to pay. Sorry, you just offended David there. Um, please. Uh, that'll be... That'll be uh, one silver for the the three drinks, please. Ah, the cleric is paying. <laughs> and sort of like looks and goes, cleric, uh, is that your small friend here? Uh, I'm gonna point at a random person in the crowd <laughs> and be like, uh, that's the cleric there. He will pay. Okay, make a communication deception check. Okay, what's my communication? One. This bodes well. <laughs> okay. I'm glad you're getting this upgraded oh! module because I think we're going to need it. <laughs> That's a 15. A 15? <laughs> a 15? Those bad rolls have gone, boys! <laughs> so at this point, the hissing goes, oh, okay, fair enough. So it like, just it seems to take you by your word and sort of nods over and starts walking over to the gentleman that you pointed at. <laughs> I'm going to turn to Mac and say, uh, let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah, Mac is quite happy to go. Although he doesn't really realise, I don't think, that they have weren't meant to pass the uh, buck onto someone else. But <laughs> he's more excited to see the train, so he's leaving quickly. Yeah. So you folks that are, you, you make your way outside into the marketplace. There's a little bit of a, a hubbub about the, the market itself as people go about their evening business. Um, you have no idea where this train is. What would you like to do? Um, toot, toot. Ask the nearest person where the train is. <laughs> a 
okay. Listen for the, you the, go over to, to a nearby stall and sort of behind it there's this grey um, individual, sort of scraggy hair, scraggy beard. And he sort of looks over and goes, all right, hello there. Uh, right, would you would you like some tools? I've got some tools. Would you like tools? Yes. Uh, Sabers? Uh, yes. Um, uh, what, what sort of tools are you selling? I've got all kinds of tools. I've got tools that you can scratch your back with, because I'm sure you need a good back scratch, don't you, sir? I've also got some scissors, good for cutting hair. Um, I've also got some rope. Rope's useful. Um, you can maybe, I don't know, use it as you would go out adventuring, or maybe use it for something else, I don't know. Um, well, what else have I got? Uh, I've also got some cups and sauces. They're good can for I... eating from, I've heard. Can I ask you a question? Uh, yes, good, good sir. What, what do you like to ask me? Have you got any tools for washing one's back? <laughs> well, yes, I've got this good brush right here. Do you want this brush? This brush, best, best back scrubber you'll ever get. You know the bristles on it made of beautiful horse hair. Like, mm. oh, this is a, this is a one of a kind brush. As How picks much this brush for out. the brush? How much for the brush? Well, good sir, I like your style. This brush will put you back. 50 copper pieces. 50 copper pieces. Mm. What's what's the conversion copper to silver? Uh, so copper, 100 copper makes... Um... Oh, okay. <laughs> it's not how Lee calculates his bloody inflation ratios in his, <laughs> <laughs> his game. 5,000 gold for a loaf of bread. I will, um, <laughs> I will buy said uh, brush. You'll buy a brush. Okay, so... Oh, <laughs> I like how John's like, you're going to buy it? What? <laughs> <laughs> With a pitch like that, how can yeah. I not He's buy like, He looks at you and goes, here's your one-of-a-kind brush. And as you sort of notice he's passing over this brush, he's sort of like... With his foot, Mac, you see him, like, push this barrel filled with these brushes. There's about four of them <laughs> under the table and sort of passes over the brush to Tantan. Uh, I'm going to rush back towards Mac and be like, hey, I bought a brush! <laughs> what were we doing again? The train. Where is the train? <laughs> oh, uh, I'm going to go back over to him. Yes, good sir, would you like another brush? I've got a one-of-a-kind <laughs> brush for you. Oh, what does it do? <laughs> it's, it's really good for combing your hair. You I mean, sir, you've got a wonderful beard there. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> yes, I washed it look, today. And he pulls out this brush, and it's like slightly smaller than the last brush he gave you. But he's like, look, it's, it's a brilliant brush. Look, I'll even let you have a little taster. Here. And he sort of holds it out in front of you. I'm going to try it on my beard. Oh, it's, it's a wonderful brush. It, like, just goes through your beard. It sort of pulls the hairs ever so slightly apart and it's just wonderful how much for this one it's smaller than the last one so i expect it'll be less money well actually good sir you'll find this one is finely crafted by the best crafter <laughs> in uh, all of marquee it's made by francis herself <gasps> um she made this brush and it's got the finest horse hair so actually this brush too can be yours for 50 copper pieces I mean, what do you think, Mac? Do you think this is worthwhile? I do not brush my hair. Oh? What do you use instead? Mac spits on his hand, runs it through <laughs> his hair. I can do the same okay. for you, and he spits on his hand and runs it through Tantan's beard. 
I'm gonna try and rakish. Can I try and dodge out the way of that? <laughs> yeah, go on. Make a make an opposed oh. dexterity check. Because this always oh, no, goes so a well. Check oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Oh, it's not terrible. Uh, Ooh, that God. is a thirteen with a double five. Well, Matt got triple ones. So. <laughs> <laughs> So I've been knocking something. <laughs> no, yeah, you got to succeed there, haven't you? No, that was that was really good. Uh, so, um, yeah, you managed to dodge out the way Matrix quite style. easily. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna turn back to him and be like, uh, "I came over to you to ask you a question about something, but I can't remember what it was, and it wasn't about brushes." We want to um, know where the train is. That was it. Trains. Where's the train? It looks at you and goes, oh, the, the train, well, that's out the, the western side of the city. That's where you want to go. I tell you what, if you're going to go and see the train, and he sort of like reaches down and leaves, you might want one of these. They are eye-enhancing lenses. These are wonderful. They make everything look bigger. <laughs> uh, we will uh, take I mean, it. Mac, we will take I, I, it. We would be silly to not take we it. We will take it. There you go. Well, that this will be yours for one silver. You know, these are the only pair I've got. Okay. Uh, yeah, Mac will use use his own money. He's excited about it. He'll take out his his pouch of his money and he'll hand it over to the man to take out a silver okay. piece. And he, he takes it off you. He goes, here are your, your eyeglasses, sir. Enjoy. Have a lovely evening. It's been a pleasure doing business with you. All right, Mac is looking through these glasses straight away. Does everything okay, so look bigger? They're, yeah, they're like they're like two small telescopes, so like you can individually adjust each one. So actually, the first time you like pick them up, they're like they don't quite look right. Like one eye is like massive compared to the other one, but like you pick them up in this marketplace, and like the stall in front of you is just so much bigger than it actually what like looks like it is. It's like, and you sort of like scan over the person's face, and their face just fills up the whole of your vision. These. Are amazing, <laughs> and he's just going to walk west with these attached to his eyes. Jeremy, okay. come on! So <laughs> Jeremy's sort of like walking along, and you just hold these up. It's really hard to navigate. Tantan, are you are you following him along? Uh, yes, I'm going to be admiring my okay. new uh, washing brush that I bought. Okay, so you're there walking along with sort of you know the sort of binocular spy glasses, like holding them up to your face, just looking at everything as you go along. Um, Tantan, you're there with your brushes, like sort of staring at these brushes, going, <laughs> and you're sort of like giving yourself a little scratch and sort of brushing oh, your beard. That's good. Like, <laughs> yes. Walking along, it's oh, a wonderful experience. I would like you both to make constitution checks <laughs> right now, please. Oh my god, what for? Drink the drink. Oh. Oh yes. Okay, that um, was significantly better. Um, it was a three. It was, <laughs> it was two sixes and a five, so that oh, is blimey. eighteen in total. That's a, that, yeah. Uh, I got, I got a, uh, what did I roll? <laughs> oh, it no. It was uh, an 11. I rolled an 11. An 11. Okay, so Tantan, at this point, you are drunk. Like, bam, it hits you like an absolute, like, excuse the pun, a train. Um, you know, you just, like, the world starts spinning. Like, it's literally only been a number of minutes since you had that drink, but you haven't eaten anything. And, you know, you are just, oh, everything's spinning. You feel a little bit nauseous. Like, 
Oh, and, and Mac, as you're sort of like walking along next to him, you sort of see him just meandering. His walk becomes less straight and he's sort of walking along and sort of gesticulating with these brushes around. I, I don't know if Tantan's would become... walk would become straighter. <laughs> I'm not too sure. I'd be like, Ugh. I'm just like, ooh, yeah. ooh, the brush. <laughs> He's gonna run the brush over the back of his hand, like. Ugh. Um, I think Mac is just too interested in going to the train. I don't think he's really gonna notice that Tantan <laughs> is. <laughs> this is literally like the blind leading the blind. <laughs> Almost. Okay, literally. so. For, for the sense of expediency, so what I would like you to do, um, Mac, I would like you to make a, let's go for um, an intelligence, is it intelligence, uh, do, 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 navigation check. Yeah. Uh, so that 11. I'll double check it's intelligence, hang on two seconds, uh, I think it's intelligence, uh, do, 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 do. yes, navigation, 11. 11. Okay. Right. Um, Tantan, I would yes. like you to do the same. Here we go. This is going to be amazing. Oh, 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 oh. oh um, uh, that would be a grand total of seven. Seven. <laughs> okay. Yes. So, um, Tantan, you in your slightly drunk state stumble yes. up and you're sort of like you latch on to the nearest person in front of you and you sort of just follow you follow them as they just walk through the town um and they're sort of you just sort of like you think they're mac and you just follow them along oh, God. and you sort of keep going along with this does this person and, also have a sheep um no this person does not have a sheep okay. um and you sort of meander behind them and you follow them for what feels like forever and you sort of find yourself sat outside this wooden building and there's a half-orc sat next to you with blue war paint on his face just like looking at you as you're sort of like there brushing your beard with the brushes and scratching your back with the brushes sort of in this state and he just looks over at you and goes I saw, I, I saw you here earlier you, uh, you back from your travels good sir you look a lot like my friend Mac, but what happened to your crown? Did you lose your crown? He said, "Looks he goes, I, I don't, I don't have a crown." What's um, your name? My, my name, <laughs> my name is Wolfgang. Who are you? I'm your friend. My name's Tantan. We met in a monastery, I think. Was it a street? It was one of the two. Yeah. So for the next sort of foreseeable future, you sort of sit here talking to this this half orc outside this establishment. Mac, <laughs> you spend hours and hours wandering the streets of Marquis. You you are there that the sun sets, darkness hits. You wander the streets. You find all sorts of places. You find all sorts of interesting things. Looking at them through your eyeglasses, you are just utterly lost in wonderment <laughs> by this place. 
you start to notice that the people get fewer and fewer on the streets. The streets get quieter and quieter. You continue to wander for hours. Jeremy, loyally at your side. And you sort of meander your way around. And you think you're finally getting somewhere. You're walking towards what looks like an exit to the city. You continue to walk as the sort of the sky above you sort of becomes a little bit more apparent and you can see the stars above as the city sort of parts ways. And you see a bridge out in front of you. And you see a wooden building on the side that just simply says the gatehouse inn. And as you walk up, you see a half-orc sat with his head in his hands as he's being talked at by this small, old elf, hunched over, slurring all of his words, gesticulating with this brush. And the orc just sort of like crooks his head out and looks around once more as he sort of does his cautious stare and looks over and goes, you must be Mac. Take this guy off my hands, please. Please take this guy off my hands. And then Mac threw me in a river. <laughs> oh, Mac! <laughs> He's going to, like, come up and give Mac a big hug. And he gives you a hug. And, and Jeremy, at this point, feeling a bit jealous, sort of nuzzles his nose in between, like, slightly awkwardly, like a, a, a young, you know, like a dog does when you're sort of hugging a relative or something, sort of pokes its nose up between you. And it's sort of roughly at this time of the night with the moon sort of shining through that Galen, too, makes his way back um, after having trying to, to find a little bit more about things at the Archaeological Society. Uh, makes his way back towards this establishment, too. And you're sort of all there outside the gatehouse in the moon shining up in the middle of the, the sky. And you sort of hear this sort of head just poke out of a window and sort of go, Kaka, kaka, you lot coming to blooming bed yet? <laughs> and that is where we will end this episode for hey. this evening. Brilliant. Hey. <laughs> very good, very good. That was a great one. Shopping episode. <laughs> Love it. You, have, you haven't seen the plans I've got for Tink yet. You've got to wait till next episode for that one. <laughs> oh, goodness. He's going to come back with like a, a rocket launcher or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, but now you mention it. <laughs> it's going to come back like a fully like tracked. He's like, um, it'd be like War Machine. <laughs> <laughs> I think they might misunderstand what you meant by making him more like amenable to people and you just come back as a pleasure droid <laughs> <laughs> wow well that was that was a, a wonderful meandering adventure of all sorts uh, going in directions that I hadn't expected uh, would you expect any less <laughs> No, not at all, not at all. Everybody loves the first session where you go, here's a city, off you go. And what do the group do? I'm going to go over here. Well, I'm going to go over here. Yeah. It's like, oh, DM's worst nightmare. <laughs> I could just see it now. Like, we're entering into a, a combat in the near future and, like, um, Tink would be like, and I pull out my pistol and it's like, that's not a pistol anymore. Like, <laughs> 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 my, my aim appears to be off. <laughs> yeah. Can't get a clear oh, shot. No, that was that was uh, that was wonderful. But yes, we are we are in the city of Marquis. Uh, loose ends to to tie up, I am sure, and we'll see where things um, sort of 
go next time round. But thank you very much, folks. That was that was good. And, you know, maybe, I mean, this was supposed to be a little bit of shopping. Maybe we'll even get to the shopping <laughs> next time round. Okay. Um, I know a great you know, guy that but... sells brushes, you guys. <laughs> 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 well, that's, that's true. We did do some shopping not five minutes One ago. One of a kind. How brushes. many episodes do you think <laughs> we can spend in Marquee? <laughs> will be the game yeah, yeah. how many brushes do you want <laughs> yeah so if Tantan's just gonna leave like with 20 brushes like I've got a brush for anything <laughs> you got it the brush baron but no wonderful wonderful folks thank, thank you, very you very much thanks very much yeah, John. thank you John okay, cheers, um Thank you for listening along at home. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, and we will catch you in the next episode of the Wreckage RPG. Um, catch you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to our show. We hope you enjoy it as much as we do. On that topic, if you did like the show, please leave us a review to help more people find their way to us. Anyway, we look forward to having you along for the next part of the journey. And just remember the most important question. What would you like to do?